0: Well, we are getting ready to launch into a new series this year that I'm excited to talk about. But before I do, I want to I tell you a story. About 2,600 years ago, so a long time ago, I was dead, just in case you were wondering. About 2,600 years ago, two great armies stood opposite one another. Now, their intention was to go to battle. Their intention was to discover who was greater and who was lesser. And so the leader of one of these great armies took out a chicken, put it on the ground, put some food in front of the chicken, and the chicken ate the food. As a result of that chicken eating the food, this great general knew that the gods were pleased with his war and that he would be successful in his endeavor to wipe out his enemies. For 600 years, the great armies of this empire used the decision-making process of the chicken because they believed it was the right thing to do. Now sometimes, interestingly, the army would lose miserably, and I mean miserably, 50,000, 75,000 men gone in a day, wiped out because of the decision of a chicken. There were other times that they would win their battle. So it didn't matter whether they lost or they won. Whenever they went to battle, this great military might, this great empire would consult the superior, superior tactical skill of the chicken and decide whether or not to go into battle. And so for almost five to 600 years, every military officer believed that they must consult the chicken. It wasn't around 150 BC that one of their greatest generals stopped believing in the superior tactical and military skill of the chicken and made his own decision as a man. Now, you're probably wondering, what powerful empire believed in the tactical skill of the chicken? You will be shocked to know that it is the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire conquered most of the known world based on the military and tactical skill of a chicken. Now, we all know that that's not really true that they won their battles because of a chicken, but they did consult the chicken before every battle. No lie. This is, not, this is not fiction. This is the truth. Every single military person from the lowest to the highest believed that the chicken knew what the gods were saying and that they would go into battle based on whether or not the chicken ate some food or didn't. And if the chicken did not eat food, They would not go to battle. That's how strongly they believed in the chicken. Now, Chini Faith Center, today, we will begin to answer our one question for 2023. What do I believe? How many of you think it's important to know what you believe? I do too. Last year, we answered the question, do I trust God? Because trust deals with the matters of the heart. And we need to get our heart right with God. This year, the entire year, we will talk about what we believe, about as many subjects as we can possibly cover in the entire year. Because we also have to love the Lord our God with our mind, with our brain, with our thinking, And these two things, our brain and our heart, they need to connect. And they need to be focused on Christ and focused on God so that you and I can live out our life on this earth in love with our Savior. The process of believing is something that every one of us deals with. And here's what we need to understand right off the bat beliefs are extremely powerful. What you and I believe is extremely powerful. Our brains are a powerful tool given to us by God. And our beliefs shape the way that we live. For example, what people believe has caused world wars, slavery, false religions, financial catastrophes, and global pandemics based on what we believe. What we believe has solved the, the greatest medical issues in our bodies, sent people to the moon, harnessed the power of a mighty river for electricity, brought most, if not all, of our scientific breakthroughs, helped inventors, turned a brief idea and belief into reality to wash our clothes and keep our food cold. And belief for now and, and for hundreds of years, belief a, a belief in something has has caused people from around the world to leave everything they own, their family, everything behind, and come to a place where they believe that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights that among them are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Folks, I want you to know something. You and I sit in this room and in this country as a result of what people believe that it's possible to create a nation with a group of people because we are all created by our creator and we all have the rights to life, liberty, and happiness. See, beliefs that we hold true in our brains and our thinking are very powerful. Beliefs also have ramifications. The things that we believe in our lives, they will change the course of our life. They'll shape our life. They'll shape our present and our future and our forever. For example, if you believe in the institution of marriage, you'll look for someone to spend the rest of your life with. You spend the rest of your time looking for someone that you are supposed to be matched up with, to have kid with, kids with and grow old with. See, the belief in marriage will change the course of your life as you believe in it. If you believe that having lots of credit cards is a great financial decision, it will change the course of your life. You'll probably have lots of toys and that'll be fun and it'll be great for a season, but eventually that'll all come caving down upon you, right? based on what you believe. If you believe that your words are powerful and you choose every single day to encourage and build up every single person around you, you will have tons of friends. Lots of people will want to be with you because you believe in the power of the words of encouragement and life. If you believe that you need every new piece of modern technology, your life will be very different from someone else that says, ah, I don't need all that technology. Your life will be completely different based on what you believe. Now in America, we've chosen to believe some very specific things for us as a culture. And I'll ask you this morning, have these beliefs affected our way of life? Have the beliefs that we choose to believe as a culture, the, the, the things that we've embraced and believe as a, as a people, have they had consequences and ramifications on all of us? I think so. We believe money is more important than almost anything, don't we? Has that changed the way that we do life as Americans? Has it affected our lives and our relationships and our work week and our families and our time and our values and our purpose in our life? I think it has. We believe in America, we, and we've believed this for almost 100 years, we believe every home, every apartment, every condo, wherever you live, it should have electricity connected to it. We believe that. We've believed that for 100 years. Has that changed our lives? Absolutely. It's completely changed the landscape. In fact, we are a nation that is doing quite well based on a small belief that we should connect electricity to every home. And so every single person in our country, from the poorest to the wealthiest, is better off because we have electricity connected to every home that has the right amperage and the right voltage and isn't killing people and runs all our phones and our cool stuff. That's a result of a belief that we said electricity is a good thing. We should all have it. It's changed our lives forever. We also believe that sex doesn't need any boundaries. Anybody think it's affected our culture? Our personal relationships? Our families? Our entertainment? Maybe a little bit. We also believe, and we believed this for 100 years too, that we should have good roads spread all over our country. Has it changed us? Sure, we can go anywhere in this country, to the coolest places in our entire country. Any one of us can jump in a car and get anywhere and be fairly close to whatever is the coolest thing in the world. Everywhere in our entire country, there are good roads spread everywhere, except for downtown Spokane. That is where we draw the line right there, downtown Spokane, all right? It's changed our lives completely changed our lives most americans don't believe in god of the bible anymore has it changed our culture almost everything in our lives almost everything is based on what we believe it starts here this is why we're going to ask this question all year what do i believe What do I believe about myself, about God, about my friends and my family, about marriage, about finances, about everything in life? There's a lot in God's word about what we should believe. We're gonna talk about as much of it as we can this morning. Now we have to start at the beginning because you and I are sitting here this morning in these chairs, in this building, in this room because we believe in God or we're investigating who God is and whether or not we should believe in him. That's why we're here. That's why you're here. See, we believe in the triune God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We believe he is the creator and sustainer of all things big and small. That he's the beginning and the end. That he is love. That he is the living God. He's the savior of our lives, that he lives inside of us, and he's our best friend. Now, this is just a very small description of our God, that we find in his written word we call the Bible, God's word, scripture, your sword. This is where we find the ideas and the foundation, the things that lead our present and our future are based in this book. See, God knows us better than we know ourselves. And he knows that we need to love him with our hearts and with our minds. Now, because our mind needs to connect with God, he gave us this written word. He knows that our mind needs to connect with him he knows that our heart needs to connect with him now our heart connects with God through stories most of the time doesn't it maybe a family story of how someone in your family believed in Jesus so you believed in Jesus there was a story there was a moment and so our heart connects with God too but our mind needs to connect with God and that's why God has preserved his written word for 1500 to 2000 years See, the Bible helps us understand a very, very big God through stories, laws, wisdom literature, prophecies, poetry, history, genealogical family trees, science, geographical locations, common sense, the truth of his son, people's failures when they tried to live life without God and their triumphs when they obeyed him, they're all in this book. And they all help us wrap our mind and our thoughts and our thinking and our brains around a really big God. Now, the truth is, we're never gonna wrap our entire brain and all of our thinking around God, right? And I say amen to that. Because the moment that Mark can figure out a God and I'm gonna figure out, and I say I'm only going to serve a God that I have completely figured out. My God is what? Puny. That God's really small. The God that can fit in Mark's brain and in all of Mark's thoughts is really, really small. So I want to serve a God that is so huge that he's going to give me a part of him. But what I'm going to understand fully and foremost is he is so large. He is so enormous. He is so awesome and cool that I'm not going to understand everything about him, but I am going to understand all that I need to understand and have a relationship with him. Now, is it possible for people to have a relationship with God and believe in God without the Bible? Yes, it's completely possible. If you live in the middle of the Amazon jungle and you have no written language, no contact with the outside world and its influences no understanding of world history, no desire for further knowledge or wisdom. Uh, You just have a basic life without social media and you're content with that. You can certainly have a relationship with God that's based on great faith and hearing the voice of God regularly speak to you. You can certainly do that and it might even be better than where we're at, but that's not us. That's not us, is it? We live in the Western world. We live in the modern world where we prove things with science and we make empirical arguments every day in our own minds, whether you know it or not, you are making empirical arguments in your mind every time you go to work, every time you wake up, every time you go have a hobby, every time you're making decisions based on everything that we've let in. We are making those decisions every day in our mind. And because we live in the modern technological Western world, we are bombarded with every false idea man has ever conjured up and the new one that will happen tomorrow. That's our life. So we need this. We need the truth. We need to be able to read it for ourselves and not say, well, grandpa said that, even though what grandpa said may line up with this and be exactly what this said. We need to read it for ourselves. We need to be able to open it and process it, and believe it, and live it. See, the Bible gives our brains what it needs to believe in God. Gives our brain what it needs to believe in God. See, God knows that we need the truth written down for us to consult and speak to us about right or wrong. Why? Otherwise, we might consult a chicken. We might consult a chicken. What do you think your boss would say if you woke up and said, hey, I'm not coming into work today. The chicken didn't eat. What? He'd probably say, if he knew you were a Christian, what? Go read your Bible and then be at work at nine because I think your God tells you to work or you don't eat. Like those things just wouldn't fly. But humanity, right? Today, and for all of our history, we have had the potential to believe the craziest things and think they are true. That's why God's given us his written word. See, each of us have been told a lie at some point in our lifetime. Every single one of us in this room, myself included, we've been told a lie by someone or something by Satan himself or maybe a family member, maybe a teacher, maybe someone that had influence over our life. And we might even be basing the way we think and the way we live based on that lie. And it's time for you and I to believe exactly what God's word says about us. It's time for us to believe exactly what God's word says about all of the situations and circumstances in our world, lest we fall astray, lest we start falling into things and thoughts that are craziness that only bring us hurt and pain and heartache and destroy relationships and family and everything good in the world. This is why we have the Bible. Now we will use the Bible throughout this entire year to reveal the truths about God and his plan to be in relationship with you and I. So let's start right now and let's begin with this question. What is the Bible and why should I believe it? What is the Bible and why should I believe it? Well, the Bible is a collection of writings that basically tell one story. From the beginning to the end, it tells one great big long story. The story of God's creation and love for mankind, mankind's response to God over and over again, and God's grace to save and restore mankind to relationship with Himself. That's it in a nutshell. From beginning to end, that's what God's trying to say. Now, the Bible has two parts the Old Testament. And the New Testament. Now, you may say for for us in the room, that means there's an old part and a new part. Well, it's all old for us, so it don't matter. (laughs) But yes, there's an older part and there's a newer part. Now, the Jewish people, they called the Old Testament the Tanakh. The Tanakh. And this word has great meaning and symbolism and importance. For them, And they primarily were the ones that the Old Testament was written to, even though we get grafted in as Gentiles through Christ. It now applies to our lives as well because we're in the family. We're in the family of God. But the Tanakh m- meant three things. The, the, the T and the N and the K, the, they stand for things. The T is the word Torah or law, and that represents the first five books of the Old Testament that reveal creation, the fall of man, the great promise to redeem mankind through a Messiah and through one family. And that family was Abraham's family from that point on, which basically ends up being the Jewish people and the Israelite nation. A lot of cool stories about this family. And then a large section of, of the five books of the Bible, first five books, are, are about the law. The law that God gave to Moses. The N stands for Neveim, which is the Jewish name for prophet. And this, in this category, they talk about the historical books. They tell the history of Israel from the prophets and the priest's point of view. And some of the prophetic books are in there, the, the prophets themselves, that further reveal the idea and the belief of a coming Messiah. And then the K stands for Kedavim which simply means writings, which includes the rest of the Old Testament books, which are poetry, wisdom books, some more prophecy. We call them minor prophets, even though they're not minor, they're just shorter. We should probably call them shorter prophets. But then you might think that they were short instead of tall, so I guess we've just called them minor all the time. Minor and major to be uh, less personal about their height. And then there's some more prophetic books and, other books that are there as well. That's kind of the Old Testament in a a nutshell. But here's what we need to understand. The Jewish people believe something very powerful about these writings that we now believe as well. And that is that they were and are God speaking to his people. It's always how they were considered from the very first time they were written down, that this is what God is speaking to us. And we need to obey it. Now, do they always obey? No. Do we always obey? No. <laughs> but it's still here to come back to, amen? To remind us of what God is doing. The New Testament is a different collection. It's a collection of writings on the life of Jesus Christ. It communicates that Jesus is the promised king, prophet, priest, and Messiah, that the Old Testament referred to in the law and the prophets, and how his life changed everything for mankind. This is why Jesus said, I came to fulfill the law and the prophets. I didn't come to abolish it, I came to fulfill it. I came to make it right. Now, the writers of this collection, from Matthew to Revelation, were the apostles, those who lived with Jesus. Those who saw him with their eyes, those who talked with him, and those who knew who he was while he was here on earth. And the New Testament records the beginning of this new covenant that God made with humanity through Jesus Christ. That his life and his death and his resurrection communicates this plan of God that he has for mankind. It also talks about the life of communities that sprung up all throughout the Middle East and Asia Minor. And major cities throughout the Roman Empire all began to have communities spread out all throughout the Roman Empire that that we today call the church. This is the New Testament. And these writings depict the new life. His followers are called to live until Jesus returns. So the writers of the Old and the New Testament, the people of God who have obeyed him for thousands of years and his followers today, we believe that this is God's word for us. This is God's plan for us, that he wrote it down for us, that he wanted us to be able to see with our own eyes what he desires for our lives. Now, today I want us to close our time talking about three things that we believe about God's word. They're just three little words that have been used for a while now to theologically kind of describe and wrap our mind around what we believe about the Bible. And this is what we believe. That God's word is inspired, it's inerrant, and it's infallible. We believe these three things and lots more, but these kind of help us wrap our mind around some things. We believe these things because what we believe makes up our worldview. Every single one of us in the room has a worldview about how the world should be right now, about what things should be important and what things should not be important and how we should live our lives. There are lots of worldviews today. As Christians, we believe that God exists, that he revealed himself to humanity, that the Bible is a coherent story written by 40 authors in three languages over 1,500 years and it makes sense of the world we live in, the world we came from, and the world we're going to. And what it means to be human. See, the Christian's world view is formed by the truth in God's word, not by CBS or NBC or a teacher or a poet or another book. It's, it's formed by the truth in God's word. And the first thing we believe about God's word is that God's word is inspired, that it's inspired. And that it's inspired by God himself. What we mean by this is that God's word, the Bible, is God-breathed. It's not like any other book. That God put it together and God created it. In 2 Timothy three sixteen to 17 it says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. See, when we say that the Bible is inspired, we mean that God is its author, that God authored it. Now, while, while God is the author, he also used human beings to record its words. Now, it is God himself who is bes- behind what they wrote, but God didn't just inspire the big ideas behind the Bible, but the very words, all of them, the words. To be clear, we don't believe that human writers somehow became like a robot or fell into some sort of trance. And when they woke up, whoa, this was sitting on their desk and they were like, wow, awesome. No, they, they spent time with God, similar to what Moses did on the mountain. He went up the mountain, he spent time with God, he hung out there with God and he brought the Ten Commandments down. Now here's what's interesting. What's the first thing that Moses does with the Ten Commandments? He shows them to everybody. Hey, everybody, here's God's word. Now, why do I say that? Why is that important? Because throughout human history, you will find people that say they heard the word of God too, but they always what? Keep it a secret. They don't want you to know where it came from. They just want you to believe them. They don't want to show it to you. It's so secret that only they can know it and they'll tell you, and then you're just supposed to believe it. What you'll notice in God's word is God never does that. God's never secretive like that. He's never trying to manipulate things. The first thing Moses does when he comes down, here they are, everybody look. A million people right in front of him, here they are. Here's God's word for you to see, for me to see, for us to understand together. See, God breathed out this message moving the writers along to record what he wanted, yet without making them something less than human or less than who they were. The second thing we believe is that God's word is inerrant. A definition of this is that it's free from error. And when we say the Bible is inerrant, we mean that God, as he breathed it along, and as he used human agents to pen what they were penning, It was exactly what God wanted. Without any mixture of error. And God used these men with all of their personalities, their writing styles, their vocabulary, their life experience, their illustrations, their metaphors. He used all of that to express his message as he wanted it, yet without error. In this way, The Bible has a sort of dual authorship, God and man. Yet we recognize that it is God himself behind the writers, behind the authors to create the message of the Bible and its authority. The Bible is inerrant in that it reports exactly what happened and what was said. Now there are times you'll notice that um, the Bible will record all kinds of crazy things that we're not to do. (laughs) But it's recording it because it's history, because God wants us to see it, because God wants us to be wise. In fact, Proverbs says, the truly wise person recognizes when somebody else falls into a pit and they don't fall into the same pit that somebody else did. That's actually truly wise. So true wisdom is looking at even God's word and saying, oh, I recognize all of the things that somebody fell into, the trap that that person fell into and I'm not going to fall into that same trap. And I recognize that from that story in God's word that is true and inerrant. So God used these human authors to write exactly what he wanted without error. Peter says it like this in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 20 to 21, when he was talking about how the prophets wrote down scripture. He said, above all, You must understand that no prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. Their own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will. But prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So here's the point. The point is that the Holy Spirit is working through the writer. The Holy Spirit's using the author to write down what God wanted. And like what Peter said, it's not based on our own interpretation of things. The writers weren't writing down their own interpretation of things. And they weren't even writing down their own ideas or their own human will. They were writing down... What the Holy Spirit was speaking to them in that moment. And so they put it on paper for you and I to see because it was God's word to us. Lastly, thirdly, God's word is infallible. This may be the hardest one to understand because the word infallible means that you're incapable of making mistakes or being wrong, you're absolutely trustworthy. You're impossible to disprove. Now, because God is perfect, his revelation is perfect. Because God is perfect and his words are perfect, the Bible is perfect because they're his words. See, God's word will accomplish exactly what he wants it to. And scripture talks about this often. In Isaiah 55, 10 through 11, God said, the rain and snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. It is the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit and it will accomplish all I want it to and it will prosper everywhere I send it. In Psalm 119, verse 140, the psalmist wrote, your promises have been thoroughly tested and your servant loves them. See, we believe God's word is infallible also because God doesn't lie. It's almost like one of those impossibilities, God can't lie. In Romans 3, verse 3 and 4, it says, true, some of them, meaning us and previous believers in God, some of them were unfaithful. But just because they were unfaithful, does that mean God will be unfaithful? Of course not. Even if everyone else is a liar, God is true. And that's the challenge, right? You and I live in a culture where we have our own lies inside of us and we have lies all around us. And you and I, have to figure out the truth all the time and that's why God gave us his truth. So that it's right there in front of us all the time and you and I can study it and look at it every single day and work through it. In Hebrews 4, 12 to 13, the Bible says God means what he says. What he says goes. His powerful word is sharp as a surgeon's scalpel, cutting through everything, whether doubt or defense, laying us open to listen and obey. Nothing and no one is impervious to God's word. We can't get away from it, no matter what. No matter what, one thing will be true for all of us. The truth of God's word will reign supreme. And when we get into the next life and when we get to heaven and we get on to forever, to eternity, we'll discover that even more because all of the lies of this world will be gone. And only the truth of God's word and of who Jesus Christ is and God the Father is and the Holy Spirit is will be revealed to everyone and to everything. Now, if we believe that God's word is inspired, and inerrant, and infallible, that creates a challenge for me. Maybe this creates a challenge for you. But let me tell you the challenge that it creates for me. I believe the Bible. I believe the Bible is the inspired, inerrant, infallible word of God. But the challenge is, that means that where I differ in my life, and in my thinking, I have to change. And that's always the challenge. That there are going to be things that I read in God's word that are really different than the way we're doing life today. And when I look at how we're doing life today, and that, that voice is really loud, and it's really strong, and it's being talked about all day, and it might be the truth or it might be a lie. It's just a loud voice. And it's in that moment that I, that I have that challenge in my heart. And I go to God's word and I have to say, this is the truth. This is what I have to believe. Even though I may encounter persecution. I may lose a friend or two. I may look like someone that hates people when actually I love people. it, It may change my present and my future. It may change the course of my life because I choose to live in the truth. And that's a challenge. See, what we believe about God's word is important because it is full of specific things, Specific to our values and our morals and our truth about life. Almost every subject and situation that we deal with in life today is addressed in the Bible in one way or another. Almost everything. We can find direction for how to live the way that God wants us to in God's word. Now you say, Pastor Mark, I've never read anything in my Bible about Facebook. You're right. Facebook is not mentioned here. But the purity that we're supposed to have with our eyes is... Anybody ever encountered something on Facebook that wasn't so pure? Okay, well, there we go. Now it applies. (laughs) Right? So that's how we apply God's word to our lives today. And let me close with this. I want to close with a verse because... Um, this verse is a great verse to understand why, why it's so important for you and I to have this written word. Why it's so important for you and I to believe that God's word is inspired and inerrant and infallible. And why you and I need the verses and the very words and the stories and all of the concepts and the truth and the laws and the things that are in God's word why all of these things are important to our life. Let me just show you a small verse. Ephesians 1, 13 to 14. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 to 14, God wanted you and I to know something important about himself and about us and about life. He said this, you also were included in Christ When you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed, could you say believed? When you believed in the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed it, you were marked in him, him being God, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Now, I could spend the rest of the afternoon breaking this verse down because it's really, really good, but I'll try to do it in five minutes, okay? It starts off and says, You are included in Christ. You're included. Anybody in the room ever ever feel like yourself or all of humanity is just trying to be included? Does our culture right now have a problem with chasing everything in the world just to be included? Does humanity want to be included? Yes, that's what every single one of our heart's desire is, to be included, to be loved, to be valued. And God says right off the bat, you are included. And you became included when you heard something. You heard something new. Now, to the people in Ephesus, in Ephesians, they were Greek they believed in multiple gods. But when Paul came, he told them something new about a creator God who loved them, and died for them, and came back to life to give them eternity. And so they heard something new. They heard a new truth, and as a result of hearing that new truth, they believed in a man named Jesus. Who wasn't Greek, it wasn't even Roman. He was Jewish. You mean that tiny place over there across the Mediterranean Sea, that, that state where all the complainers and whiners are? Yeah, that place. <laughs> but when they believed, something happened. <laughs> when they believed, the Holy Spirit filled them. And when they became filled with the Holy Spirit, they knew in their heart and in their mind that God had included them in his family. And so have we. That's exactly what happened in your life and mine. When we heard about Jesus for the first time or maybe the 100th time, you said, today's my day. I need to say yes to Jesus today. I've been dancing around this for a while, but that's the truth, and I need to start walking in it. And so we said, yes. We said, yes, I'm going to start believing in Jesus, and the Holy Spirit came to live inside of us. And the way that you and I are now living in light of the Holy Spirit, and when he speaks to us, it's such an amazing moment, and when he leads us, and It's awesome. And when God's word jumps off the page because of the power of the Holy Spirit, it's an awesome moment in our life. And these little glimpses of God and these moments of heaven that happen in our life, based on what the Holy Spirit said, they're just a deposit of what heaven is, of an ultimate inclusion with God himself, the creator of the world and of all things, will be included with him and with everybody else that believed in Jesus. But this inclusion is gonna be so powerful. But it requires you and I to live life now in the truth of this infallible, inerrant word of God. And to believe that this is the truth Even though there are lies inside of us and there are lies all around us screaming that something else is true. It's extremely important that you and I know what to believe. About God, about Jesus, about the Holy Spirit, about ourselves, and about as many specific things as we can that we will encounter in life. This is why God gave us his word. And this is why you and I choose to answer the question during 2023, what do I believe? Would you stand with me? Let's pray and just respond to the Lord for a minute. I don't want to move on from this moment without just giving maybe someone that might be in the room or someone online the opportunity to believe in Jesus for the first time. It's what we've been talking about this morning. What do I believe? So if you would like to do that, maybe you've been investigating God, you've been talking with friends about him, and you're just wondering, you're pursuing, but right now, in this moment, this time you want to make that decision I need to start believing in Jesus that he's my savior that he's my lord that he died on a cross and rose from the dead that I might have eternal life if you want to make that decision to start a relationship with Jesus I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand right where you're at If you're online, obviously I can't see you, but God can, and that's all that matters anyway. So you can raise your hand right where you're at. All right. Second thing I want to ask. Is there a lie that you're believing? when I brought up that idea this morning, the Holy Spirit just spoke to you right now and said, that's you. Somebody said something to you once in your life and you believed it and you've believed that lie ever since. You know it's not true. Like you've read verses in God's word, you've read promises in God's word. Other people have told you that's a lie, but it's stuck there. This morning, you need breakthrough in that. and I just want to pray for you and then maybe you'll need a little extra prayer time we've got some prayer people here that would like to pray with you this morning if you'd like to continue that but if that's you this morning there's a lie in you and you know it it's not part of God's plan for your life and you would like it to be broken this morning would you raise your hand just say God that's me yep there's a hand here there's more over there one over there yeah Put your hands down. Let me pray for you. Jesus, thank you so much that when you died on the cross and you rose again, that was permanent. You broke everything that was a lie in this world and in us. So Lord, I I pray for those that raised their hand and just were courageous enough to say, Jesus, Here's my hand, you see it. You know what, what we're talking about. You're revealing that to me. And I pray that you would, you would help today to be that moment where that lie's not a part of my life anymore. So right now, we, we just take authority in the name of Jesus over those lies. We command them to leave our minds and our hearts and our lives, our thinking, our decisions, Everything command those lies to leave our, li- our lives in Jesus name we ask for the righteousness and the truth the grace and the purity of God to reign supreme in our minds and our hearts and our lives Jesus we thank you that in a moment like this you can break strongholds that have just been stuck in our lives for a long time we ask you to be Savior and Lord over every part of our life. Jesus, as we move forward as a church, there's not very many more important questions than these we've been asking. Do I trust God? What do I believe? Lord, help us to answer this question in every area of our life. And Lord, help us to answer the big question and to answer it well. Where we differ, would you change us? where we think differently than your word, would you change our minds? Would you help us to see the importance of believing the truth like you've said it? That it's not just some old archaic thing that's outdated, but you have purpose, value, direction, and love all attached to the principles and the truth we will study. So we give you thanks, Lord, for what we're heading into. We recognize that some of this will also require spiritual battles for each of us. And I pray that you would help us to fight those well because there is a battle going on for our thoughts and our thinking. And we ask you to win it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. We all said, well, if you feel like you just need an extra moment of prayer, I wanted to let you know Mike and Lou will be right over here to my left. They'd love to pray with you a little bit more if you'd like that. Uh, so don't, don't leave or run off if you need some prayer. But always remember, Jesus loves you very much. So to Kate and I, have a great week.